What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As mask mandates get lifted once again, folks are having spring fever instead of COVID fever. And although comedian Ben De La Creme is happy in a long-term relationship, her onstage persona is horny and ready to lay out the incense, wine, and candles for a very freaky scene. Yow. Today, the White Out Bandit. Ben De La Creme joins us to look at dating and commitment as we near the end of the COVID pandemic. Della's new show, Ben De La Creme is Ready to Be Committed, is coming to a town near you. And if it's anything like her critically acclaimed holiday special on Hulu, you know it's going to be a wild ride. This one queen extravaganza is a hilarious and heartfelt spectacular that blends burlesque, comedy, and original music with her signature terminally delightful charm. And that's not just her press release saying it. We really mean it. Plus, Ben De La Creme reflects on her controversial decision to walk away from one of the biggest drag competitions on television. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 3. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You got it. Okay, uh-huh. super freak. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Hello? Hi, is this Ben De La Creme? It is. Ah, Dela es Fausto. And Mark from Feast of Fun. Oh my gosh, hi. Hello to both of you. It's been so long. I know. It's been a while. Yeah. You're the only person I know that has a French name with an epithet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like, because De la Creme translates to from the cream. Right? Indeed. So or De la of, is from the, the <laughs> of the cream. Yes. So of the is basically my 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 first name. But when we first <laughs> met you here in Chicago, you were known as Tina Angst. Do you remember having a funeral for her? Wait, a funeral for her? Oh wait, wait, yes. You Are you talking off. about my chances dances? Yes. You murdered Tina Angst on stage. Yes. She she died on stage. She was like stabbed by a bunch of Tina Angst impersonators. <laughs> Did you Amazing. ever pay for that crime? Almost <laughs> forgotten about that. No, I was the victim. I oh. was, it was. So yeah. really we're talking to the ghost of Tina Angst. Yes. The ghost of Tina Angst was reincarnated into Bendela Creme. That's amazing. Cause you know, I mean, so many people are so, uh, you know, tied up in the drag character and it's just like, it's gotta be this one character forever. But you, uh, you kind of put that ego aside and you said, you know what? I'm changing this up. How, how did that come to be? Well, it was literally the old, I mean, the actual process of it, it was the only way that made sense in my head was that she actually had to be killed off in order for me to move. Mm-hmm. And she was a bitch, and you know. She had to go. She was kind of a bitch. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> I mean, when, because, I mean, I met you guys when yeah. I first really liked Tina Angst, and she was kind of like a punky riot girl. And, you know, really, that was like, 
you know, her performances were all to kind of like Latigra and Bikini Kill and that kind of stuff. And it really was sort of this this outward manifestation of sort of my, I guess, frustration growing up queer and feeling like an outsider and then kind of entering the gay scene and still feeling like an outsider. And I think I just had a lot of frustration about that. And I felt like there was kind of a lot of negative energy that I was encountering as I came into gay bars. And a lot of that is like, you know, young people insecurity, like young gay men are bitchy as hell to each other. But, um, you know, one of the people that really inspired me to kind of change my, my persona was Miss Fousey. Um, oh, wow. Queen of the pineapples. Yeah. Yeah. Pineapple. The, you know, she was like, she was so wonderful and she would come into the space and she would say hello to everybody. She would call everybody pineapple. She was so sweet and welcoming. And, you know, it was like, I realized that I had this kind of, like, I was so mad and I kind of had this persona that reflected that. And while a lot of people liked it and I think could relate to it on some level, it certainly didn't make anybody like nicer or happier. And then I would see these same, you know, like I would like, it It wasn't making me feel any other way, you know, mm-hmm. but then I would these like same kind of people who were maybe kind of not like kind of catty or whatever with each other. When Miss Fousey would come in, everyone would just melt and everyone would become like kinder. And it was like, there was this maternal loving care, like, character that would come in and it was like she was giving people what they needed and that actually changed the energy in the room and i was like that's how you do it you you give people something loving and generous and that's and that's how you get it back and so i decided that you know when i moved to seattle that i wanted to get a fresh start and kind of come at at the my character from a different angle and that's sort of where it originated so you went from like an anxious teenager to like a pollyanna yeah i mean in in a lot of ways i mean you know at this point in time i mean i've been doing dela for over 10 years and so she's got a lot more nuance Mm -hmm. for sure but um but it was you know it's less about being a pollyanna and more about just kind of a sense of generosity in terms of being out like both like on stage and then just you know sort of out in nightlife Mm -hmm. um you know i i think that it Mm -hmm. it it really it really sort of redefined my experience within those spaces and just you know i mean i always have loved drag i've always just wanted to to perform and be part of that world uh well, we all came of age like watching Pee Wee Herman, Divine, yeah. RuPaul, Mr. T, uh, even Crispin Glover on David Letterman as their characters. Yes. Interacting as their characters at face value. So for a lot of us, when we started performing in drag, it was like expected of us to be this contained creature. And it was only until reality television and the internet that people started to expect to see you out of drag and talking about your character, your creation outside of you. Yeah. You know, and it's, that's really interesting because I still do, you know, my character is, I view her as very self-contained and different from myself, you know, because I do. Yeah. I mean, Pee Wee Herman, Elvira, they were such inspirations in that regard. And then, you know, there was a, a lot of, uh, you know, 
drag queens who were just slightly my senior who were doing the same thing. I mean, Coco Peru, Varla G. Merman, right. Jackie, you know, I mean, they were also these you know, some of those characters are closer to their real personalities than than others, but they were still these kind of magical, larger-than-life creatures, like in the same way that, you know, a princess in a Disney park, it's like you're not going to see her out of character, and that makes it sort of more magical. And so one of the things about going on Drag Race that I kind of struggled with was that I liked people getting to know the character and not kind of ruining the magic of that. But you're right. It's, it's changed so much where people kind of expect to really get to know you in some sort of deeper level. But at this point, I just kind but of do you think want about people it. to get to know you. Like, you what know I'm saying? Like, you're like, I want some privacy or privacy. Yeah, no, I do. I do enjoy my privacy. I do yeah. kind of enjoy having my own space. And that's part, I guess, of having a separate character. But I'm also, you know, I'm, I, what it allows me to do is kind of talk about my artistic process. That sounds mm. kind of lofty for a drag queen, but, um, but it allows me to kind of talk about that as the creator kind of separate from the character. And so that, that part's cool. Well, that's why I really appreciate like, you know, the vehicle of drag race. My hesitation with drag race today is that it's really become a clone army. Yes. Yeah. But in the early days, uh, the, the golden age of drag race, where you came of age, really introduced us to some really like visionary artists like yourself, who is willing to criticize and laugh at and poke fun of the ego, the creation that you've made. And so I feel like, you know, especially in the Jinx and Adela holiday special, there's all these really wonderfully cartoonish layers of, of uh, irreverence and you know, self-effacement, self-deprecation that that makes it more than just a flat comedy. And I don't think a lot of drag queens understand that or even understand how to use that. Well, thank you. That's very yeah. kind. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I was very inspired by a lot of really amazing character performers that that came before me. And it is um, you know, I mean, I also really think just like the like what I love about camp and these large and these kinds of characters mm -hmm. and this kind of like cartoony storytelling is that I think you can go some deeper places i think people are more likely to come with you like if you can make people laugh and you can give them something sparkly to look at you can kind of go into more depth and, and people's guard is down oh yeah well that's why we call the show feast of fun and not feast of responsibility <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good. what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Branding choice. <laughs> well, it was actually called Feast of Fools, as you remember. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, and then uh, was the publicist for the movie Milk uh, balked at us uh, wanting Dustin Lance Black on the show. And I was like, well, it's based on an essay by Harry Hay, and the publicist had no idea who Harry Hay was. And I was like, oh. well, at this point, you know, why be attached to sort of something that can be interpreted as negative? Let's just create a doorway where everybody's welcome to celebrate and have fun. 
a feast of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. You know, it's interesting yeah. as things get bigger because you, I mean, you guys like your podcast blew up so quickly, and, and Feast of Fools. Bef- you know, before that, it was. I mean, I think all of us, when we kind of reach this broader audience, we have to be like, oh, what's the language all these people speak in common? You know, it like it is yeah. like we all have our very specific references, but you have to figure out how to both maintain the integrity of what you're doing, but also kind of broaden to to things that, <laughs> you know, that more people can understand, which is great. It's great that you're talking to more people. But you yeah, the big it's a tent, you know. Well, and that's why I think it's really fun about a lot of your stage work that a lot of people who are, you know, deeply invested in reality television may not be aware of. And that's why it's so exciting to get you on the show, because I want people to see your work on stage because it's so different from what we've seen on television, except you oh, know, yeah. for the holiday special. I would say that's probably most representative of what you do. And you take this kind of like wholesome Americana. I mean, you've tackled the 4th of July, you've tackled, you know, the holiday season, and now you're uh, trying to get married in your new show, ready to be committed. Oh, I thought Grace was going to a mental institute. That's about marriage? (laughs) Well, it's both. You know, I was recording some uh, some music for it in the studio the the other day because I was just kind of like freshening up some of these tracks. And uh, the guy recording it was like, okay, ready to be committed, like marriage or, or like to an asylum. And I was like, both great. Okay, great. I'm glad the joke works, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it, uh, it's, it's really fun. I mean, this is my fourth uh, solo show Uh and it's the first time that I've really delved into this character uh, dealing with like love and relationships. I've kept her pretty, um, you know, in the past, it's all just, she's been pretty like asexual, you know, that's just not part of her that I've been super interested in exploring because she's, you know, it's like she's a little less than slash more than human. Um, but, uh, but yeah. She's like in a this Warner book, Brothers cartoon character. Like we don't want to see um, Bugs Bunny having sex. Exactly. Yeah. The, the humor is in, in him sort of seducing Elmer Fudd and then tricking him. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, and it's kind of transphobic to some degree, but it's also like as kids, it was this universal language of like playing a prank on somebody hat was really, really funny. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's like, there's, you know, you don't want to get too human with anything when you're dealing with this type of character. Yeah. So figuring out how to kind of talk about these topics within sort of the rules of her universe was was really challenging, but like really rewarding because there is, you know, essentially the way that she comes at it is she, you know, the show starts, she's like, hey, everyone, thanks so much for coming. You're actually not at a show. This is my wedding. And then, you know, she's excited <laughs> about she's excited about the fanfare of it, but yeah. then realized like, oh shit, I haven't gotten a cake. I haven't gotten a dress and I haven't gotten a groom. And she has like 70 minutes to figure it out. And <laughs> so along the way, she, you know, uh, it leads down a lot of like very weird, uh, cartoony surrealist paths where she, uh, she meets Cupid and like learns about sort of the history of how love has been classified by like philosophy and she meets a group of gay men who have a reality TV show called Thayeth to the Dreth that's uh, all about... (laughs) 
<laughs> five gay men like falling all over each other because their only life's purpose is to dress a straight woman for her special day, you know? Mm. And then like she has an anthropomorphic plastic cake topper on top of her cake. Who's like the bitchiest bridezilla. Who's just like telling her she's doing everything wrong. And, um, so and you it's don't really actually like eat an actual wedding cake in every show. Cause that would get expensive. Uh, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's just something I do for, for like specialty cities. It's just when the, the when the whim strikes me. You, well, you know? know what they but, do uh, at weddings nowadays is they have a fake cake, right? And they have a section of the bottom layer that is an actual insert of a cake, a slice. And so the bride and groom slice that out, and that's what they eat. And then everybody else gets sheet cake uh, sheet cakes from Costco. <laughs> that's the stupidest garbage I've ever heard. But you know what? It, it saves you a lot of money. It saves you a ton of money. Well, it's and like drag, want, you know, you, you, don't, you save money by... And if you want a nice wedding cake, yeah. uh, don't tell them it's for a wedding. Just tell them you're having a 50th anniversary party for your, for your, for your parents or something like that. And it, your cake will be half the price. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Okay. This is this is a good deal. I was like mad about less cake, but I guess I'm on. <laughs> well, it's like putting birdseed in your bra. You know, it's it's about creating that illusion, not not actually having <laughs> the birds come eat your silicone oh. in there. Well, I'm excited too I about your show. My- your show's coming here in Chicago at Tally Hall on on May 26, which is a Thursday, mm-hmm. and that's the start of IML. Oh shit! International Mister oh, wow. Leather Conference. So expect lots of leather daddies and people in kink gear uh, for your show, unless they're going to be at the host hotel, you know, getting their groove on. But I would, well, ima- you know, I would imagine a lot of people will come into town early to get to catch you. Yeah, that's well. You know, that's one of my favorite demographics. I love a. I mean, like specifically, like a leather bear is really. I feel like. Uh, that's that's the group of people that generally resonate most mm-hmm. with uh, my references because you know they're all they're all like tough and and in chaps and chomping cigars, but you know that they all know like every Judy Garland lyric. Yeah. Do you want them to meet you at the stage door après le show? <laughs> well, uh, hopefully by that point, <laughs> Dela will have already found a husband. So I mean, we'll oh, see. Or a husband. Well, are you dating or anybody husband. in real life? And are they like, uh, should I be worried about my relationship with you? Or am I? Oh yeah, no. I've been my, with my partner Gus for seven years at this point. You know, Aww. and so that's uh, so you when know, you were like it, on a grinder and scruff, you were like doing research. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Mm. Well, you know, he loves what a nerd I am. And really, it's like, I always do. I mean, my shows always wind up being like, as you know, very ridiculous cartoony. And I really, you know, it's like, I want to make people laugh constantly for the for the whole show. But it always I have this weird period where I really am just like reading, like academic books on, like, you know, historical theories of of love and like reading like really boring dull books by like straight women about how to plan a wedding just because i like want to understand every aspect of it and so uh yeah no he he loves that about me because i really just make it like the nerdiest endeavor to um to make these ridiculous shows is it tempting to sort of like want to get even in an argument by writing it into the show i mean- <laughs> Oh, you know what? It really isn't because I, I, you know, it's that same thing we were talking about where it's like Dela and and I are are so separate. And while I use things in my life to kind of inspire the beginning of these uh, shows, I really want to write in a way that everybody can relate to. So I'm really, you know, with this show, I was really like aware that 
you know, there's going to be single people in the audience who are happy to be single, not happy to be single. There are going to be coupled people who are happy to be coupled, not happy to be coupled. There are going to be people who have lost partners in their lives. There's so many, you know, and I wanted to talk about this in a way that would, that would speak to everybody. And I think that's, you know, I like to, I like to, you know, I mean, when I knew you guys, I was at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and I have to say one of the most valuable things that I learned there was to start making art from a personal place, but then to broaden it in a, in a way that really considers that people can't always relate to your specific story. You have to... Mm -hmm. You have to put it into language that that is for everyone. You and I went to the same school. Oh my god! I guess I'd forgotten. I that. had no idea. I, I mean, I've known you all these years. I read it in your Wikipedia. <laughs> um, who were your teachers? Do oh, you remember god, any I of them? I don't remember. You're like, I still paying <laughs> the bill, but <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember how drunk I was back then all the time? You were a delight, and I don't, you know, I don't want to throw any shade. Oh, I'm a very fun drunk. No, but it, like even you know, as <laughs> Tina Angst, like one of my favorite performances that you did is you were doing uh, "Love Is a Battlefield." Uh, oh yeah, and you had an inflatable guitar that you start playing, and the guitar starts to deflate, <laughs> and so you're trying to inflate the guitar as you're performing it and then you just start fucking the guitar who doesn't love a good blowjob and fuck on a, it was on a, brilliant and you know and, and you had this wonderful uh vi you know visual humor like even now um you know certainly like with the with the holiday special varla jean merman plays your grand is it your grandmother's spirit haunting an eggnog yeah. drink right am i getting that right yes that is correct yeah and 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 now you're having you know, like a lot of these puppets sort of uh, are <laughs> I don't know like are you uh, having somebody off stage doing the voice or are you having this pre recorded and you're just trying to stay on cue? Yeah, so actually, you know, I've been doing um, this this particular technique when I do it live yeah. on stage. I've been doing this particular technique of puppetry for a really long time yeah. because I love to play all these characters and there's a lot of characters in the show. So some of them are me playing them on screen through like interactive dialogue. So it's, it's like pre-recorded, but I script it super tightly and just have the timing down. So it feels like a pretty natural conversation. And then the same thing with the puppets. It's like, I do all the voices, I pre-record them. And then I just have like a really skilled tech person that I travel with. And we just get into the rhythm where it's like, he's hitting those cues and it, it feels like a really natural conversation. And it's, um, you know, it was tricky at first, but now it's kind of, it's in my arsenal as just one of the things I am pretty good at. So it's fun. How did you approach uh, Varla G. Merman uh, to play the eggnog in your holiday special? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, Varla has been somebody that I have loved and admired yeah. for so long. And we um, got to know each other for the first time Uh God, I always say everything is 10 years ago. It can't always be 10 years ago. But I would say around 2008 is when I started performing in Provincetown. And um, and she, of course, has been a Provincetown staple for forever. And she hides in the bushes and goes like, go see the Riley Jean Roman show. <laughs> That's how she used to bark. I mean, she doesn't bark anymore because yeah. everybody knows she's the ticket to buy as soon as you get there. But, yeah. um, you know, at the time I was, I was, 
started doing shows there and you know i was working with a burlesque troupe and there were like five of us and sometimes that it was a one-to-one ratio with the audience you know it's like it that that was how it started out and she came to one of the shows and i have never been so nervous in my entire life but um she was so sweet and generous and kind and it took me a couple years really of her inviting me to lunch and spending time with me before i was fully comfortable but you know now we're like I very heard the good reason that she wanted to invite you to lunch so she could poison your beverage <laughs> or eat you <laughs> it's possible but for whatever i must have drank out of the wrong glass because <laughs> You know, at this point, we've become very close and and we talk a lot. And, you know, I have told her so much about how she inspired me and she's adopted me as her her drag daughter, which is really fun because I never had a drag mom. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, when we wrote this character for the film, it was just it was a no brainer. It was like, that's who had to play this character because she's hilarious. She's got like the vocal characterization skills, but also the show is all about like queer family and chosen family. And everyone in that cast, all the dancers and Barla included are part of my queer chosen family. And so that was, that just felt like the right fit. It's such a wonderful show. And, 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 you know, I am dying to see you being committed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well thank you i'm excited yeah. to uh, excited to bring it and I, I hope that i'll yeah i'd love to have you guys at the show in chicago well uh is the, if there is a list put me on it <laughs> i'll consider yourself listed oh, consider yourself you. invited forever um uh, before you we stay the weekend too for yeah, iml stay stay for iml well she's got a tour she's going everywhere i, I gotta pop off to the next city mm. i think i've i'm in I'm in Glasgow after that. I've got to go to the UK. Oh, really? Damn, oh, wow. honey. She walked half of the money, so you better treat her right. <laughs> uh, before we leave off, in hindsight, you know, because every your most notorious moment in, you know, for a while is eliminating yourself on All Stars 3. Yes. In hindsight, you know, do you have anything to add that hasn't been discussed already on this? Like, do you feel, do you still feel like, this was a good decision or were you like, I mean, I've talked about it so exhaustively, which makes sense because Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, a high profile thing, but I've, I've talked about it a lot, but yeah, I mean, I still think it's one of the best decisions I ever made. You know what I mean? It was so empowering in terms of like, you know, just being there and being like this, you know, I, I want to be here. I want to participate in this, like, you know, the, the Olympics of drag. I want to show what I have to offer. I love drag. I, I love, getting to do these challenges but i am not i don't agree with the importance of this elimination system i don't think it's like i don't think it's necessary for the entertainment value and so just having that moment of realizing like holy crap i can have my cake and eat it too was so empowering and honestly really shifted how i went about a lot of things in my life afterwards i like Mm. you know i had I had like working and personal relationships in my life that I thought I had to hold on to that were kind of not working for me. And I was like, you know what? I don't need that. I stopped saying yes to gigs that I didn't really want to do and started being bolder about asking for what I wanted. And Mm. kind of my whole career started kind of sky. Mm. And so do you carry a bottle of white out with you now, wherever you go? I do. Yeah. I just like, anytime I'm not into what somebody's saying, I just jot their name down real quick and show it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> ben de la Creme, looking for love in all the wrong places. 
<laughs> but she found it. You know, she found it. Yeah. Well, you, he you found it. She's still You're gonna have to go on her journey. He yes. found it, but we'll see where she where where she finds it. Well, you know, yeah. is there a difference between Mr. T and uh, what is Mr. it, Lawrence Thoreau? What is his his name? Or <laughs> you know, Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman, and you know, Cassandra Peterson and Divine and. Uh, you know, as Annie Sprinkle said, and you're familiar with Annie Sprinkle, she says, yes, after a while, she realized, you know, there was not, it was just a reflection of her this truer self mm. to some degree. I mean, I think there's a lot of that, but also like, you know, there, there's, I mean, if you ever hear Paul Rubin in an interview, he was a different person and Cassandra Peterson just came out as a big old les and, you know, Elvira has been lusting after the the gentleman for years though we knew this a long time now when people say how's your head she's gonna be like well i mean (laughs) what's she gonna say now rusty a little rusty (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much thank you della thank you guys pleasures talking to you see you in chicago take care love bye Bye bye-bye Ben de la Creme lives in Seattle, Washington. Her new solo show, Extravaganza, Ben de la Creme is ready to be committed, is coming to a town near you, and of course for Chicago for Memorial Day weekend. So lock up your daughters, lock up your sons, your non-binary <laughs> children and trans children, and get them ready to have their lives changed and go get some tickets. Ben de la Creme. Com. Mm-hmm. She's got multiple uh, shows in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, and then uh, all over uh, the country and in the world. In Glasgow. Glasgow. In Scotland. Glasgow is lovely. Which is part of the European Union, but the, the other part is I don't isn't. know how it works. People uh, over there. Uh, no, because they're part of the UK, so. I think parts of the, yeah, some of them are part of the European Union and some are not. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, don't well, hold me to it. Don't hold me to it, honey. I don't have Wikipedia <laughs> in front of me. What, what do you, you know, it, it is great to see this kind of like authorship, mm-hmm. you know, because Ben puts a lot of thought, a lot of uh, artistry, a lot of uh, intellect. Uh, you know, I hate to combine the word intellect and sh- comedy and show mm-hmm. um, together, but it really, there's a lot of layers, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, like well, beauty in, yeah. into the work and, and that they, you she know, makes. And they borrow yeah. from, um, you know, the burlesque scene too, very much so as uh, in their performances as well. So that's very exciting to see that kind of stuff. And, and for people who are not familiar, like how does that look like, or how does that make Well, us? you know, it's, it's uh, hips and, and boobs ass. and movements and, and, you know, it's sexy, but it also can't be fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, although Ben de la Creme, I, I call you know, I've Just always ben called her Ben, but it, the the proper name is Della, Della, which means from the. If you're referring to, I think it's like Della, Della, like Della, Della Reese. Oh, Della Reese. Yeah, but Della, Della, yeah, Della. But uh, Ben, if you're referring to the, you know, everyday ordinary soul. But she's part vampire because she has not aged a day. I mean, I've seen, I have photos of her and us, and I look like I'm 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And there, and she looks exactly. Maybe the drag just kind of hides the flaws. And when you're bringing, you know, drag drag race bucks, mm-hmm. maybe you can afford a little bit of a filler, or <laughs> you know, they're That's, like, you can write it off taxes that lip plumping, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the it's it's so much easier to apply makeup when you have like a fuller face or you don't have wrinkles. Right. Right, So, uh, you know, these Queens are all like they're Botox at the age of 22. Yeah. They're like, I gotta get mom. I gotta get a career. I gotta go on drag race. I need that Botox. Mm -hmm. They're like, what? 
Mm-hmm. It's like, I got to buy this uh-huh. beauty yeah. palette. If you ever want to be shady to an older queen or something like that, you send them like uh, makeup techniques for uh, older women. Oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> Well, it's like Lady Bunny one time told us on, in a backstage interview, she said, it's like, oh, RuPaul's been telling me for years she's been Botoxing her face. So I said, where and why did you stop? When and why did you when stop? When and why did you stop? <laughs> oh, honey, I've been Botoxing for years. Well, yeah, that's right. I've been Botoxing for years, honey. Well, when and why did you stop? <laughs> And well, when and why and did she you start it again? When and why did you stop is a good a good question to ask anybody about anything at any time. Yeah, just like I've been singing for years. It's like, what what did you stop? I've been taking lessons for years, you know, and that kind of thing. And you're like, why you? You have to practice your shadiness. I'm sorry, but you have to understand that Mark's idea of humor is a brilliant comment delivered with impeccable timing. <laughs> Listen, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to go back in our archives, you can listen to some of our other podcasts that we did with Ben, uh, where we talk uh, more extensively about uh, drag and drag race and Tina Angst. And all the uh, queens from the golden age of RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, mm. before it became like a clone army. <laughs> um, you're like, which uh, 400th clone of Trixie Mattel are you to now? <laughs> but you know, it, it is, uh, everybody has a different uh, voice and a different path and a unique spirit and definitely worth celebrating. Um, and we're glad that we've been able to do this podcast for so long and talk to so many amazing people like Ben de la Creme. Mm-hmm. And of course that's made possible because of you, you fierce, beautiful, fabulous person. Uh, you can go and listen to all our archives, uh, including our interviews with uh, RuPaul and many of the winners of RuPaul's Drag Race and many of the contestants, the villains, the heroes, mm-hmm. the, the scam vestites. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen to them uh, at, at the beginning of their careers, at the height of the celebration, and you can do so by going to feastoffun.com slash plus and listen to all those archives. Also join us at Patreon at patreon.com slash feastoffun for an ad-free podcast experience. That's right, Holling. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Fausto Ferno. I'm Mark Fillion. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.